What's up, y'all? And welcome to another episode of Worldly Church Girl. It's your girl, your host, Lillian Harshaw. On today's show, I have a published author, a precision wellness specialist, a health advocate, food and supplement formulator, and hope expert. She has done it all and then some, and she has a testimony beyond testimonies of why she is where she is today. It gives me great privilege to introduce to you Miss Wendy Michelle. So what led you to health and wellness industry? You know, I think it was a combination of things. One, perhaps the most significant one is that I'm curious. I've always been so very curious and the human body has always been very fascinating to me. And I've always loved people. And I think when you pair those two things up, you end up with health and wellness. Because when you really love people, you really have this natural desire to see them thrive and do well and feel good and see in themselves what you can see in them. And and that in and of itself will put you in the in the industry of, of wellness for sure whether it's a passion project or it's a career, but I, I really just have always loved how we were created and, and the cool things that our bodies are capable of doing. And then also what, if our bodies are so cool and they can do such amazing things, then it's exciting to think about what our, our purpose is and what it is that we're here to do because we have these really great, supportive bodies to get us from point A to point B. So I would say that's those two main factors, people and curiosity is what what did it for me. Did you always realize that physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health all goes hand in hand? No, I, I, not on a conscious level because it was, I was so young when I uh, really started in the industry I was I think I went to a, a real at a gym membership when I was 14 which is pretty unusual for a female I think girls are active or involved in sports or dance or something along those lines relatively normally but to have a gym membership and be interested in lifting weights that's kind of strange for a 14 year old girl um, but because I was so young, I was still really learning about what is mental health. I don't even know if it at the time consciously had crossed my mind. It was more about maybe I didn't have the vocabulary for it, but I did understand that it was, it was a mindset thing, whatever that was. And it was a body image thing. So it was an emotional thing. And then it was also, I'd say probably the last connection of those things that came at a later time would be the spiritual component of health and wellness, which is funny because it's the first thing. Now, what happened in your life that made you realize that this actually works for you and mainly for others? I've always believed that it did, but I really, really became a deeply rooted truth after I had to fight for my own life. As a health expert, which I'm using quotation marks because I, I still wouldn't consider myself a health expert. I don't think that anybody can. We're still stuff we don't know about the human body, so it's hard to be an expert on on health in general 
without knowing all things. So at the time I thought I was though, at the time I thought I was doing pretty well in my expertise as far as nutrition and supplementation and physical fitness. But I started getting a little bit sick, I guess some annoying symptoms like bloating and, you know, stuff that I think people just go through or eat something wrong and it was just lingering and I was trying different approaches which I was never worried about because I thought oh this is a fun it's fun of a fun experiment and that experiment didn't turn out to be so fun because as time went on it turned into paralysis and a mini stroke and seizures and Mm. and I was about 25 26 at the time so it's was completely out of the blue and there really wasn't any explanation for it and the doctors that I was seeing they couldn't figure it out either so it it put me in a position to really have to dig into research and read a lot and at a very fast pace, absorb it and retain it and apply it, which I'm so grateful for now because it, it was a year and a half of my time just researching, not in school. So it was way more than whatever credit hours could have been because it was just a nonstop quest for how do I what well one what is wrong with me and two how do I fix it and three can I fix it and in the process of that I was really open and my eyes are really open to the fact that there's a lot more to this than just the physical body and just having a positive attitude because what I ended up finding out that I had and it took a year and a half to find it and it, it took like four or five years to heal fully from all the things but uh, I had Lyme disease. It was like a late stage Lyme disease, which who knows if I, who knows when or anything about being bit by a tick. I, I don't have any recollection of that. But nonetheless, it's a very strange disease and that you, it actually affects all aspects that we just discussed as far as being the holistic approach. The physical attacks your mental, it attacks your emotional, it attacks your spiritual. Because if you're mentally and emotionally in, this, in the in imbalance, in then it's very difficult to, to grasp spirituality from that place. So it was through that experience that I really learned the importance of it, but also that this is the only way really to do it and be successful at it and be able to sustain it is to make sure that all arms are being diligently pursued none more so than the other necessarily and unless potentially the spiritual and emotional and then and then the mental and the physical I think if you had to line them up that might be the more proper order but in our society we do it a little bit different we go physical first and then we hope that the mental if we even think about it and the emotional intelligence and the spiritual components will will maybe just get fixed in the interim or alongside it without any not having to go to the gym for your spirituality necessarily you can just go to the gym for your physical stuff and then then you're good to go so it was through that experience that I really became super passionate about teaching others to apply those things to their own individual and unique needs and goals that it wasn't a blanket statement it isn't something that you can just tell the world you know step one through ten and it's going to work for everybody it's we're very unique and significant and we've been made like our fingerprints there's nothing there's no one like us 
So there's no one approach that works for everybody, but when you can get to the approach that works best for you, that's the sustainable, successful, optimal one. And so that's where I got very, I had like a righteous anger around it, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I have to do something about this. And, and, and that's where it, it all started for me for sure. Now, when you got your diagnosis or when you found out what was wrong with you, how did you even push yourself to even dig deeper for yourself to get to where you are right now? Because a lot of people would have just threw in a towel, took the diagnosis and just said, well, it is what it is. And whatever the doctor tells me, that's what I'll do. What made you go deeper for yourself? I think I a couple of things I was fortunate enough to where I was already getting better before we found before there was a diagnosis. So the bulk of the time was spent in Western medicine, seeing neurologists, rheumatologists, gastroenterologists, and getting nowhere except with prescriptions. And there they were giving me prognosis of your organs are shutting down, you might have six months, or we think you have cancer, or you might have MS, or, you know, it was more like just file for disability and that's where you're going to be for the rest of your life. So the prognosis was not enough for me. It wasn't enough because I was angry that it was happening at all, not just for me, but for people in general. It's like, if this is happening to me and I am intentional about what I eat, what I do, then there's going to be a lot of people out there that are getting a prognosis like this without any real answer to their why question. And I need to figure out what's going on so that I can one help myself and two help others. And that was really the, I guess the driving force behind that. And then once I realized I wasn't getting better uh, and I also didn't have an answer as to what it was, I, I really honestly did just like get on my face on the floor, you know, and just cried into the carpet and was like, God, like this is not, this is not what you have for your kids. Really, I wasn't really um, in church at the time. I wasn't really seeking, you know, I wasn't doing, I mean, that's a whole other story, but basically I, I just, I just had this moment where I was like, if I can, if you'll help me figure this out, if you'll help me do this, you know, I want to do this because like, like search my heart about it because I want to do this because I, I want to utilize this information for others. I don't want anybody else to ever feel like this again to the extent at which I have the authority to have a say. And um, it was not but a couple of days that I ended up in a naturopathic clinic, which I didn't think was going to work anyway, but I did it to just appease my dad. <clears throat> and then it wasn't until like a year after that that I was that they actually found it was Lyme disease. But what they did tell me was, we know that your body's been designed to win. So we just need to make sure that we you know, soup up all of the different engines in there. So we need to really give your immune system a boost and you get it, get your liver working, your kidneys working again. And then once everything's back up to par, then your body knows what to do. And, and they, and they were right. They were very right. I saw it for myself and I saw a lot of other people in that clinic heal miraculously. And you really just can't unsee what you've seen, you know? And so once I saw that stuff, and then I got the diagnosis. Well, then I was like, I have to keep pursuing this, not just feeling like me, but I need to feel better than me because there's a lot of work to do for people. Because I saw women who had come to the Mayo Clinic for their breast cancer and be told to go home and say goodbye to their family. And then 
sit in a chair next to me in this clinic and treat their cancer alongside, you know, some of the more traditional routes with some alternative care and their tumors were shrinking. And I thought, well, I, why doesn't everybody know about this? There was a multiple moments I could have thrown in the towel and I was encouraged to throw in the towel. And I was, and, and I would have been totally justified in throwing in the towel, but I really feel like God's hand was on the situation in a way that I was given kind of eyes to see beyond what the doctors were saying. And not like that I was seeing like, you know, like, like, like signs and wonders necessarily. Right. <laughs> I was seeing things from a different perspective. I had eyes to see what was breaking his heart, but also what, what was possible and what was available to us and, and that he hasn't left us without what we need to not just survive, but to thrive. And so that's, you know, that's why I didn't throw in the towel. Cause I was like, there's too much work to do. I gotta, I gotta see this through. And if it's not the thing to do, then, you know, then I won't be able to get through it. But I, I can't, I can't say I didn't try, you know, and, and just that effort alone, just to say, well, I'll just try my best today. Biggest commitment I was able to give myself on some days that day by day accumulates and eventually adds up to where I am now. So it was worth it. That's for sure. So is that how you started your program, the advanced wellness? Yeah, kind of. I, I really didn't want to be in the industry at all though. After that, I didn't want to, I didn't want anybody to pay me for wellness services. I didn't want to pay my bills on the misfortune of others being sick or not feeling well. I thought that was a weird thing. So I, had in my mind, I'll just work a job that's not health and wellness related. So I became a Montessori school teacher and I'll just have a shorter day that prior to that I had been in corporate, I was doing risk management. It was very long hours into the weekends. So I thought I'll just give my time and I'll just teach people for free. I'll just go do seminars and, and I'll, I'll write content and I'll meet people naturally and organically and help them without charging them. Mm -hmm. And that was my goal. That was my plan. And then um, it didn't go that way because as I met people and did seminars and started helping people, people were like, Wendy, the world needs this information. <laughs> if you are going to just give it away and just do it like part time, you're not going to be able to get to enough people because people's lives were changing. I mean, people were coming back from terrible, terrible places and several of them, and one in particular, who I consider one of my very best friends now, I mean, she really, she basically just said, she said, people are going to spend their money on something. And it would be unjust for you to not give them the option to spend it on the truth. So you need to quit your job and you need to start doing this full time. And we'll help you, she and her husband, will help you do that, whatever that looks like. Because I was also a single mom at the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, I didn't really have like a lot of options to, to hop off and be an entrepreneur or something. So they really encouraged me in that. And then um, that turned into a cookbook that was published. And then that turned into some food that I formulated that started to scale that, try to put that into the marketplace and, and into grocery stores or farmers markets. And then that turned into coming out to Los Angeles and meeting up with people who also saw my vision and really believed in what I did. And, and now that has turned into nine plus food brands 
for the grocery stores. And I also helped open a, a advanced wellness center in, in West Hollywood and designed their epigenetics and genetics program and helped with some of the other beginning stages of, of development of that and, and have since gone on to consult with other wellness centers and, and drawn connections between this expert and that expert. And, and, and now I, I, I guess I just call it a precision wellness specialist overall, because whether I'm making food for the grocery stores or I'm speaking at an event or a conference, or I'm doing one-on-one coaching, it's, it's all about the individual and, and helping them have choices that are best for them and that are honest and that are authentic and, and have integrity. And so whatever way I do that, it, it just kind of, it just kind of naturally organically transforms or I see a problem and I think there's got, this doesn't even make sense that this is a problem when we have the science that we have now, we shouldn't be, why are we doing this? And then that somehow turns into a company that's just like, mm-hmm. that's just kind of how it's gone. So that's how it's all been unintentional, really. What I do now, it's it just co- continues to come from the root of my love for people and my ability to see where there's gaps. So that's holistic health. Yeah. So um, holistic health is. I think holistic people have the 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 mindset or the understanding of that that it's necessarily means alternative care or natural care and holistic is whole so it's about wholeness so it's about incorporating all things in order to become whole so that is mental spiritual emotional physical nutritional technology science herbs you know there's so many different elements that can be incorporated to to create and to get to a place of wholeness so I like to say I specialize in wholeness because I know enough about all the different elements to be able to help guide people into their own personal wholeness. So holistic is just another word for for whole. Okay. When you were talking about uh, helping people with their health issues, so you don't write a single like rule book, one size fit all rule book, if you will. You deal with each person individually. Yes. So okay. uh, both have to come into play because otherwise there's no way I can get to every individual person, even though I'd love to. <laughs> Definitely things that everybody can incorporate. It may not be the only thing that they need to incorporate, but there definitely is not. And if there is anybody that says that there is a follow these steps and you'll you'll achieve your goals and they apply that to the masses, it's, it's not worth the money because it's, it's really about the individual and needing to get precise. But there are definitely a handful of things that everybody can start now to do and apply that will get them to the next level until they need to get to, to the precise piece. But what would be one thing that we could all do to help us? Water, which sounds very... It sounds very elementary and seems irrelevant, but we're mostly water. And every function of our body relies on the water that we drink. And our water, the way it it speaks most clearly to our bodies and vice versa, which is what you always want. You want to be eating and drinking the things that most make sense to your body. 
So that's, you know, as close to nature as possible. And the way that water is naturally made by the earth is different than all these systems that it gets processed through and sterilized by and heated by. And so by the time it gets into our bodies, it's hardly effective or efficient for wellness. So I am a big advocate of spring water. And there's a resource that you can go to um, called findaspring.com or, or I can't remember which one, but it's findaspring.something. And it shows you where natural springs are close to your zip code. So you can go actually collect your own water. That's the freshest, best route. However, it's not necessarily feasible for everybody. So the next best thing would be spring water purchased either from a supplier in glass because the plastics are very problematic for a lot of different reasons, especially for women. And um, and you can get like that from somebody who delivers or somebody who has a store locally or there's, you know, there's fresh spring water in bottles in the grocery store as well. It's not cheap. It's not like the cheapest water. It's one of the most powerful things you can do. So it's worth the investment if you were to pick just one. Now, what is the best advice anyone has ever given you? That's a tough one. I've had some really wonderful people in my life and I'm, I love questions. So I am always asking people questions when I meet them so I can learn from everybody and everywhere I go. So I feel like I've been really given a lot of great advice. I'd say one of the things that has been the most helpful on both sides of the coin is um, a, a mentor a friend of mine said, when people show you who they are, believe them. And I feel like one, from a business standpoint, from people to, that you want to you know, really partner with in that way, it's important to watch people's actions more than listen to their words. But I think it's also when people are having a bad day, but it's just a bad day, they've already showed you who they are. And to try to see them from the angle of that reaction or that moment in their time is not who they are but it's just maybe their pain talking. And so it helps to really extend grace for, for others and where they're at in their individual season or their walk. So one, it's very protective. Somebody shows you who they are, believe them. They're corrupt. Try not to give them too much grace. <laughs> know that you don't line up with that. And then vice versa. Somebody shows you they are, believe them. Bulk of the time they are optimistic and, positive and fun loving today they are not <laughs> so right. not who they are and so there's grace to be extended there so I'd have to say that would be it now if you were in the health and wellness industry what do you think you'll be doing oh that's a fun question I think about this often actually because so many things look like fun to me <laughs> you know like I think that like life is really cool and there's a lot of especially right now, a lot of interesting things that I could do or could be done that either haven't been or, um, and if I suppose if money was not a thing, like if I, if I was just not in this industry, but in an in, in industry and I didn't, I didn't need to make money. I think I would probably work, um, probably work on a farm, you know, with animals and just hang out with animals and, you know, it's hard work, but it's, there's just something sweet about being around animals and, and growing plants and, you know, just 
outside in the fresh air and things like that. I'd probably work on a farm. And, you know, I mean, I can't imagine, like, every morning waking up and having, like, you know, these little friends that, you know, you get to feed. I'm sure it would get tiring, but that's, you know. But see, well, because I'm in Indiana, I can't wait till spring so I can get out in the yard and, you know, be one with just nature. It's something about it, you know? So what are you, a cat person or a dog person? Definitely more a dog person, only because that's all I've had. I've only had dog. I've had dogs my whole life. Um, when I was sick, I had a dog that was like my best, like my best friend. You know, he was a puppy when I was starting to kind of be able to walk again. Oh. And so we really, he was really like an encourager. I had to take him for a walk, but he it was he was a boxer, so he was really silly and oh. just made me laugh all the time. So it's hard to like once you have that experience with some kind of pet, you kind of become partial. But I really love all animals. And it's funny because same thing, grew up with dogs my whole life. So uh, we don't have a dog right now. We're waiting until things change a little bit and life slows down a little bit because I'm like, I want to give the dog 100% my attention because I want to get a puppy so I can train them. But um, it's funny because small dogs think they're big dogs and big dogs think they're small dogs. Yes, it's so true. Cause I've had both and I, you know, I've had like, I had a lab and I had a, a lab germ, German shepherd mix and they were the biggest babies, just mm-hmm. big babies. Then I had a little small dog and she thought she ruled the house. So dogs are funny. <laughs> they're so funny. Yeah. And, but you're right. When you're sick, oh, they're like the best companion ever. Yeah. In Los Angeles, I think. One out of every two people has a therapy dog. And they're like in the grocery stores with them. I've never seen so many people with dogs in my life. Are you kidding? I didn't no, know that. They're at the restaurants, I mean, they're on the pat. Like almost every restaurant has a pa- if it has a patio is dog friendly and has water out for the dogs. And, you know, a lot of these shopping centers have dog parking areas where you can park your dog so you can go inside and they're not a therapy dog. Like it's really, it's it was one of the things that, I, I noticed first when I moved out here was how it's a very populated city and there's so much going on and there's really so much you can do here and there's so many people to interact with, but I, I have never been around so many people who are lonely. And so it, they have all, they all have these therapy dogs because it helps them from feeling so lonely. So it's, and it's a lot of people who have, you know, who really are comforted, you know, by their pets here. So kind of an interesting thing i'm not gonna even lie i always thought it was just a bougie thing that everybody in <laughs> la california had a dog and they were at the restaurant and they were at the you know the park and at the store i'm like that is just so bougie and extra that's gonna be me one day but i didn't realize that it was for therapy yeah. now i low-key feel bad that i thought that but well, I'm sure that there's definitely the bougie ones too, but there, you know, there's definitely a lot who just, they're, it's their companion. It's the only person that they can trust. And so wow. it's something that they really connect with. And, and it makes sense that, you know, if you've been in the city for any amount of time, you have any level of spiritual awareness, you can just feel it. You know, there's just definitely a, there's an excitement and a buzz and there's a lot of things to get your attention and distract you that there's also this underlying desire to belong and to be, you know, be seen and known and not from a famous standpoint. I mean, there's that too, but that's more superficial. Like 
mm-hmm. dig deep enough, there's just this hum- human longing here that you can feel of just who can I trust? Who's my tribe? Where do I belong? You know, am I valuable? Does anybody see my value? Those things are, are pretty, I, I feel those things commonly here. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of a fascinating experience being here. That's for sure. How long have you been living here? Just about four years now. Not quite four years. I think it's actually, no, it's about three and a half. And even that half was, I was still back and forth between here and Nashville. So I wasn't fully moved. Oh, that's a huge transition. Oh my gosh. Like night and day. (laughs) Oh my God. Two different (laughs) Yeah. You're talking Mm -hmm. from laid back to forever running and running and going and going. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> now, it's, now you move because of your your calling, more or less, right? Yeah. Well, I I'm I didn't want to move. I I saw myself being in Nashville forever, and then my dad actually was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer four years ago, mm-hmm. and probably four years ago now, or maybe it's been five years now. But anyway, I at the time I was waiting for my book to be published, so I wasn't. I was just kind of doing odd jobs, and I had the ability and the freedom to just go back to Arizona and help my mom and just care for my dad and believe for a miracle only to have him pass away from the cancer, which at the time they found it was so, it had already progressed so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was only about three months from the time of diagnosis to the time of, um, you know, t- till the time he actually passed away. Mm-hmm. And when I was in Arizona caring for him, my my friends in Nashville were connecting me to people in Los Angeles because of my book and I had just formatted these nutrition bars and trying to connect me and help get me, I guess, just support my career to keep moving forward because there was elements that I really had to walk away from. It really built up a momentum in Nashville around this book being published and I had to walk away from all that stuff. Not had to, but I, you know, I chose to be with my father, which was the best choice. Los Angeles was never on my radar. I never had it in my mind that I would be here. And even when I did meet up with business partners here and, and kind of start the process of beginning businesses, in my mind, I was always going right back to Nashville. You know, I was like, oh, I have six more months and then I'm back. As soon as I get this on the shelf in the grocery stores, I'm, I'm out of here. And then as I'm saying that, I'm innovating a new product or creating a new brand. And, and now that's putting me another year out. And, and so now here I am. And and I, uh, I would say I will probably eventually have a spot in Nashville and, and, and be there on occasion. But I, I suppose at this point, I'm still too far gone. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think I'm to stay. So unless, I don't know, unless there's another plan I'm aw- unaware of. Who knows? You might be in New York next. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yep. So oh, I was saying wow. earlier, it's just kind of like you just lay it down and you just go, you know what? You're going to do what you're going to do anyway, God. So might as well. <laughs> just, just, ro- just roll with it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because my next question for you was what's next for you but you don't even know I just started I just launched um, kind of the newer things I just launched a program called the next generation athlete which I'm really excited about this one is it's it's not just for mm-hmm. professional athletes or athletes I think everybody has an athlete in them of one 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 way or another whatever they're trying to be their best at, best mom, best CEO, best teacher, you know, it's about peak performance and, and how to equip the body to, to peak perform. 
and I just developed a program for female athletes, which I'm really excited about called the future of the female athlete. And that one is a seminar based program where I teach athletes and their coaches or, you know, anybody who is helps a female athlete to make sure that the right conversations are being had around pregnancy and body image and emotional intelligence and monetization of who they are in their sport, not to be overly sexualized, but to be appreciated for their abilities and the gifts and like what they're able to do. And I'm really, really passionate about that. So that's exciting. And then I also just finished a children's book that I'm just waiting on the illustrations to be done. And that will be, will be released as soon as the illustrations are finished. And I kind of wrote a curriculum alongside it, which is kind of a, it's a, it's about, it's an affirmation based curriculum, self awareness of how cool the body is. It's got a bit of a scientific edge to it, but it's mostly about just getting kids in tune with their bodies on their team. You know, it's for them and it's all about getting them to where they're going and, so this is why we eat this way or this is why you might want to get some extra sleep or whatever because, you know, your brain is this or whatever. So it's it's just a fun project. So that one is that I'm looking forward to, too. So I'd say those are probably like the most immediate nexts. I am surprised that you even had time to squeeze me in. <laughs> There's always time. Wow. Well, I don't even know what to say. I, I, I'm honored that you squeezed me in and reached out to me. I mean, I really, I love what you're doing. I mean, it really, you're, you're the content and what you do really spoke to me, you know, even just in the title of your podcast, I was like, oh my gosh, that's me. I am that girl. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad, you know, when the Lord gave me that name, because it's initially for a book I'm writing Uh and it's a fictitious book of my life uh, growing up in the church world but being torn with the secular world. Mm-hmm. And um, so I tell everybody, well, one thing I tell people, like if you can't handle the truth, don't read my book. Cause <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not PG. Well, and I think that's why it resonated just the name. I mean, it just like jumped off the screen to me because it's, you know, I mean, I was raised in Catholic church when my mom was raised in Catholic schools and you know I got to 15 or so there and and then I got pregnant and so that doesn't really fit well in the church world and right um you know and then it was like well you can't be confirmed because you're pregnant and that's and that's just what it, it became a lot of I mean I've, I've never fit there but it's always where I've longed like I ha- I've had I have a longing for and I know I have a deep understanding of but at the same time it, it doesn't, it doesn't really match. Like if I were to sit and listen to, you know, what it should look like, quote unquote, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I ain't me. So I don't, you know, right. I don't really know how to, <laughs> right. you know, I'm, I'm like the, the 30 year old woman with a 14 year old daughter who's, mm-hmm. you know, not married and nope, nobody wants me in their Bible study. So, you know, <laughs> nobody <laughs> wants me. And so I was like, at every turn, I'm just the as as outcast as it gets. At every, you know, in a place where you should feel this is where I belong. You know, I felt right. the opposite. You know, but I feel like it's it's something that doesn't really ever get talked about. Instead of it's it's kind of more like shameful to be to live a real real 
world life, you know, and to have these experiences and at the same time be able to, to, to wrap in and roll in, you know, like the messages and the sermons and like scripture as it's written, not just as it's presented, but as you, you know, when you utilize that as a, as a map in the world, I mean, it's a different experience. And so I just really was like, Oh my gosh, like I love this title of this podcast. And I, I love that it's a book that's, I can't wait to read it. You summed up the whole thing in one sentence. I always used to tell people I'm the black sheep of the church. I was sitting <laughs> in church and I didn't fit in because like you said, I didn't look the part. But then if I went to a club, you know, when I was, when I did club a lot, I didn't fit the part there either. Yeah. I just never fit. It was like, I just don't fit in nowhere. But yeah. I knew that God still loved me and God still was going to use me. So it really didn't make any sense. Until yeah. I start studying and digging for myself. And I'm like, Jesus didn't fit in either. Right. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, one of my hello. favorite things about him. <laughs> I know. I was like, he made no sense either to anybody. He didn't make sense to the church. He didn't make sense to the people of the world. But he was God's son. This makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. When I, I was, um, when my daughter was, 16 17 or whatever and we were in nashville i she would go to youth groups i'm like well i'll be a youth group leader too and so i had like a group of girls and i used to tell them like your rebellious spirit that you have it, it it's there it's not that's not a, a it's not like a character flaw rebellion is what continues and will always be the characteristic that changes this world and pushes on history it was the rebelliousness of even jesus that has you know spun the world in the direction it spun because it's he he wasn't conforming he didn't right. conform and it, and it and just to even watch somebody walk that out is enough to change people let alone then you do all the other things he did but it's like it's just about shifting our rebellion and utilizing our rebellion and lining the rebellion up with the kingdom it's not about shaming the rebellion or going oh you know here comes this person who doesn't want to ever do anything like anybody else you know they're like hipster their whatever it's like mm -hmm. rebe rebellious like that that is a rebellion is a um less that what jesus did best you know i i was raised pentecostal so you know that's the mm -hmm. no makeup no pants da -da 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 -da. <laughs> i did all those things you know i walk into the church you know i got blue highlights in my hair Nice. Nothing outrageous, and but you know, blue highlights in my hair, big hoop earrings, makeup, and yes, thigh high boots, whole nine. And, you know, and I'm sitting in church, and I and I, I actually stood up uh, and testified one Sunday, and I told the young people um, not to look at me as a role model. I I don't want them to see me as a role model. I'm I'm only here just like they're here, and that's to learn. And mm -hmm. so don't look at me and think, well, you know, like she's, like you said, being rebellious and, you know, breaking all the rules and this, that, and other. No, it's not that. I just have learned through, through God, because at one point I was ready to leave the church and I heard clear as day, how can I draw anybody in here like you if no one like you is in here? Mm. So good. So I was okay. like, okay, well, I guess I got to stay. Our little rebellions, our little, our little rebel alliance, we're all here for a reason. Mm -hmm. And God knows what he's doing. He doesn't make a mistake. So keep the fight. 
rebels. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and especially because I mean that is I just think that there's so much to you know to to emulating Christ beyond just being loving. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many things that he did and he taught us about what it is to live in the world and yeah. to not be necessarily of it. And I just think it's a beautiful thing that I missed the entire time I went to Catholic church because they didn't ever I don't remember. I'm like and when I started reading I was like who who's this guy? They never talked about him. Mm-hmm. I mean, they talked about him, but I don't remember any of these things. I mean, that like, I, if they made a movie like about the stuff he was doing and like just made it without like the you know like the spiritual stuff that they usually have to put on things, you know, like mm-hmm. religious stuff that they usually have to put on, like it would be the craziest, out most outlandish, most controversial movie ever. It would blow people's mind because it's like he. He went against the rules left and right. Mm-hmm. The man-made rules, I should say. Mm-hmm. He came for us so we can have an example. That's what a lot of people don't think about either. They, Like you said, they think of the religious aspect of it, but they don't think of the day-to-day aspect of it. Right. I mean, it's one of the most, it's one of the greatest gifts ever was when, and my my friend slash you know, mentor, she's been, really awesome it was shortly after I got better and after I was had gotten out of I was actually in a really really unhealthy toxic terrible marriage it was so bad and I finally got free of that and um it's like a you know abusive like towards me and it was like something that I just had to I didn't want to give up on because I didn't want to be like the girl who got divorced in addition to the girl who got pregnant <laughs> so right like I was like trying, right. <laughs> like trying so hard to like not be these statistics you know but it was like just too crazy and uh she asked me one day she's like are you a believer and I was like yeah and like I like the whole night I was like up all night long going did I lie so then I went back to her the next day I was like can you expand on that for me like what does that mean exactly oh what Jesus do you do you believe I'm like yeah and I still was like I'm still saying it like I'm questioning it what does that mean and she's like well have you read the word I was like well like they read it to us she's like no have you have you read it? I'm like, no, I haven't. She's like, all right, what are you doing in your lunch hour? <laughs> you know, and we wow. went, and, we went, and it, I mean, I was like 30 and I'm, and it's, a, and I couldn't put it down. I'm the, I was like in the waiting rooms of these doctor's offices while I was still getting better. sitting there reading the word. Cause I couldn't not, like, I just could not get enough of it. Mm-hmm. it just was the most truth I had read in my whole life. And I just knew it was true. And I, can't explain it I just was like this is the most profound life stuff relevant stuff I have found and at the this is after years of research okay you have been just a joy I'm so glad we finally got to do this me too so how can people get in contact with you probably the best way is my website which is wendymichelle.com wendy with an i and I am on instagram Sometimes I'm on Facebook, but not as often. I, I rarely get in there. But Instagram, I I check messages, and then also my website. Always anybody who contacts me through the website, I get immediately notified of. So if anybody wants to reach me, I'd say that's the best way. All right, I have one last question for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. If you could have any song be your theme song when you walked into a room, what would it be and why? Oh my gosh, I love this question. Because <laughs> I'm like such a music lover. 
Um, it's a song by Andy Grammer. I'm actually going to look it up right now because it's something that is in my playlist. So I, it just kind of, it, it just plays, but, um, shoot, it's, I'm like, I'm, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Um, oh, it's called good to be alive. Hallelujah. And I would, and that is my theme song, I would say, because one, the lyrics are the things that go through my mind on a regular basis. Just grat I just have a lot of gratitude and I'm not necessarily unaware of the pain, my own pain or a pain of others. I'm actually very aware of it, but it doesn't, it's not my God. And the, I mean, it's just got like a really fun melody. It's just something that is, it'll just change an atmosphere. I, my hope is that that will be, that, that is me on this planet that I'll, you know, at least embody as a spirit shift in atmosphere you know, and, and, and not conform to the atmosphere that I think the media and the world want us to. We should all be afraid and we should all be in doubt. And we should all look at the statistics and, you know, wring our hands and be like, well, you know, I guess that's, you know, just part of, like, part of life or whatever, you know, like the mentality has just become as a complacent society. And I just really, it's just really good to be alive. And so long as there's breath in our lungs, the possibilities are truly endless. Amen. Again, I cannot thank you enough for squeezing me in on your <laughs> busy schedule. I I really feel blessed after talking to you. I really do. Same. Well, I'm sure I, I'm sure that well, I know I do, and I'm sure that your listeners do as well. So. Well, you have a good day. I'm gonna let you wind down because I know you got a busy day ahead of you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Wendy, for being on my show. I can't express how much it means to me that you took the time out of your day to share your story and your triumphs. And if you would like to be on Worldly Church Girl, click the link below, shoot me an email, and let's see what we can do with this thing. And, oh yeah, for some reason or another, you still haven't subscribed. Come on now. It's not that hard to do. Hit that subscribe button and join the crew. And once again, thanks for listening to your one and only Worldly Church Girl.